I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. to Restaurant and Retail Revelations. This is a podcast that spotlights key players and stakeholders spanning the restaurant and retail industries. And it's all made possible by Revel Systems, which is the leading cloud native platform and POS. I'm Julie Holkabor, sitting alongside my co-host, Sydney Keita. We're marketers at Revel Systems and we're delighted to feature a Revel client today. And I'll let Sydney take it away and share a little bit more. Thanks so much, Julie. So today we've got another Revel client in the mix, which is one of my favorite things to do is to just hear a little bit more from the very folks that Revel is here to service. Um, and then, you know, to get deeper insights into the very industries that they're working in. And so today's is another in the quick service and fast casual space. And we've got Tom Ferguson, who is CEO of Rise Biscuits and Righteous Chicken Franchising, which I just love, I mean, who doesn't want righteous chicken in their life? It's, it's such an awesome brand, a great name. And I know that they are doing some really innovative things in both the food space in terms of menu items, but then also in the tech space and kind of reimagining what the experience in a restaurant can look and feel like. So without too much more delay, let's hop right over and hear from Tom. Tom, welcome to the podcast. So do you mind kicking us off with quickly introducing yourself um, for our listeners and sharing a little bit more about what you do as CEO for Rise Southern Biscuits Franchising? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Tom Ferguson. I'm the CEO of Rise Franchising. Uh, We started our first store back in 2012. Now we're 16 units, three corporate, 13 franchises in seven states. So I'm the CEO. I oversee everything. I'm also the cultural cultural guru of the company as well, which is really where a big focus of my energy goes to. Uh, We've been implementing technology pretty heavily over the last few years with Revel is a big piece of that. Um, Rise has been doing really well. We we made it through the virus on on the better side than where we were before. So things are really good here at Rise. And Tom, I understand that you're CIA trained, which for anyone who's an espionage enthusiast, that's Culinary <laughs> Institute of America. Um, and I wanted to know just what your early interest in food and pursuing a culinary career was. Yeah, I, I was in the military. I was an airborne ranger. And when I got out of the military, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I took a, what colors your parachute, a little aptitude test. And the second thing that came up was be a chef. And I had cooked a little bit when I was in high school at a little diner. So I jumped right into it. I went to Austin, Texas, right off the bat. I lived there, then I moved to DC, then back to Austin, then to New York to go to the Culinary Institute, then Dallas to do my internship, back to New York, then to Los Angeles, Los Angeles, North Carolina, North, then back to Dallas, then back to North Carolina, then to Asheville, North Carolina, Seattle, and back to North Carolina, where I settled back in about um, 1998. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you, you've truly seen most of the U.S. Um, so as a Southerner myself, I have a deep appreciation for biscuits, which I know you know a lot about. So I'd love to take a quick step back to the beginning of Rise uh, and, your, and your journey and ask kind of why biscuits? 
Um, and, and why did you place them at the heart of your menu? Yeah, well, back in the day, I had a catering company for 16 years. When I had the catering company, I did a food truck that was a burger place. We did a brick and mortar. And then the partner I brought on wanted to buy me out. I said, all right, I want to do a biscuit concept. And there's a place out here called um, Biscuitville that whenever I moved back to North Carolina, I'd go, wow, I really like Biscuitville, but we don't really have that anywhere else around the country. But I grew up in Dallas on biscuits and gravy. Gravy is the first thing that my mom taught me to make and biscuits are the first thing I made professionally that I was told I did a good job at. So I first it started as a biscuit concept. And then I was traveling, doing some research in Oregon, in Portland, a place called Pine State Biscuit. And the person traveled with me said, hey, if you're checked out Voodoo Donuts, we should check it out. So we went there and said, oh, I'm gonna do biscuits and donuts at that point. So we traveled around, we took another trip around the United States, visiting donut shops and biscuit places around the country. And then finally came back and really honed in on what we wanted to do. And since it's a quick service restaurant and everything's put in a bag to go, um, we needed that biscuit to be extremely solid. So to be great where it's not, you know, a harder biscuit, like you'll see a lot, uh, one that's not so flaky that it breaks apart on you, but that holds together well as a sandwich. So my, at that point, my um, manager, Brian, who's now my partner in Rise, he's the one that developed the biscuit recipe at the beginning. So he did that. We, we grew, we blew up really big, and the story continues. And for any listeners who haven't had a chance to actually fulfill a craving directly with a fluffy biscuit or, um, as your namesake says, a righteous um, chicken offering, uh, you know, what are some of the factors, it sounds like recipes and, and the food quality are a big one, but what sets Rise apart from the competition for breakfast and lunch fast casuals? You know, we do make those biscuits by hand, you know, we're making them like every 20, 30 minutes throughout the day. Um, there's only five ingredients in it and they're all really wholesome. But I think the thing that probably separates us the most is uh, the quality of the product that we put on the biscuit. So we really source out clean products uh, through North Carolina and really cooking classical preparation methods as well. And everything's cooked to order. So we're kind of like a short order cook on a biscuit, a cross between Waffle House and Five Guys, if you would. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good description. And you know, innovation is at play in so many ways at Rise, including a lot of the menu items like cheddar tots and cheer wine donuts. And it sounds like also the ingredients behind those, those items as well. So I'd love to explore the thinking behind your decision to have a wait staff free concept at your restaurant. So can you tell me a little bit more about the vision um, and the realization of that service model? Yeah, uh, that one's pretty easy. I went and stood in front of, stood in front of some uh, biscuit places that were sit down and some that were takeout. And when you were there, this, both of them had pretty long lines at the point that we were visiting. But the lines moved a lot slower in the sit down places than they did in the takeout. So if you sit there with a you know a counter and a calculator, you realize that you have ability to bring in a lot more money through the quick service flow, at least with what we were doing. And there's another part of that too, though, that's you know, what we serve is something that people go and get and bring home. They're kind of the heroes. They bring it there. They bring it to work. It's um, a little bit more eventful than, you know, your everyday breakfast place, just because it's a little bit special and it's not an everyday treat. Yeah, I love that. I, I think I've personally experienced being the hero. It only takes a donut or a biscuit. It's, it's pretty amazing uh, to completely change the dynamics in the office. Um, yeah, so one thing, you know, I know we're all a little bit weary of talking about COVID, but the pandemic has 
had such a big impact on the restaurant industry. Um, you referenced earlier that actually Rise hasn't fared too badly in light of it, but I, I am curious to know, like, how did it impact your restaurants and in what ways has your team adapted? Let me go a little bit ahead of when the virus hit. We started about a year and a half before the virus hit. We really leaned into delivery really hard. So we were using the platforms, the delivery platforms. But if you know how they work, uh, use an Uber or DoorDash, we'll send it to an iPad and then you'll have to take that order and punch it into your POS system. Well, we early on hooked up with YourFare, um, which is a company that has its own dashboard, which all the different delivery companies go straight to that dashboard. So it's only one iPad you have to look at and punch in. And then we started working with uh, Checkmate to bridge it from the YourFare platform into Rebel so that any order that was put on delivery platform went straight into our POS system, which is Rebel, and worked seamlessly from there. So since we had, and that got put into the system company-wide with a consistent menu across all brands in February, right before the virus hit. So we were sitting in a really good place when that happened. We also were using the uh, online function, online ordering with the Rebel platform embedded into our website. And so when it happened, we went down a little less than 40% right off the bat. We never closed, we never laid anybody off. We continue to be open. We didn't charge franchisees for the six weeks that we were kind of in the slump. And then we came back up when we were 10% off of where we were pre-virus. Then we started charging the franchises uh, royalties again. And we never really stopped running at that point. At that point, we realized that we were lucky to be ahead of the game where everybody else was, but we knew we really needed to refine our operations. So we really started working on that. And that's when we had reached out and said, what do we need, things that we need because the delivery drivers and the online order or delivery drivers particularly would come in and put their phone in your face, right? And then you'd go, okay, is that order ready? And you look for it, say no. And they say, how long? And then you're looking through the rel system to see about how long you think it will be. And then we said, do you guys have a order ready screen? And sure enough, you did. And it's one of the things I've liked about Rebel is that when something new comes on or is needed, you guys are nimble enough to get that into, into your system really quickly. And then you start refining it over time. Um, we also were like, okay, can we, is there a system to send a text message when someone orders online and it's ready? And sure enough, you had that as well. So these things operational from us, just how we organize stuff in the back and then operational with using the POS system that had things that made it more convenient. Those things started rolling together and really clicking and that's when we really accelerated. So our growth was like over 25% sales but because of some of the changes we made, profit is over in some stores over 300%. Wow. Yeah. You know, it sounds like luck might have played a small role in just what you already had in place. But I think so many operators, you know, just ultimately leaned on technology. And if you had the right technology in place, you could, you know, add on and, and have what you needed to survive. So um, I'm so glad to hear that. And I know Swift service is a commitment at Rise, and you spoke a little bit about that earlier. So I'd love to hear from you on what your average service speed looks like, if you happen to know that offhand, um, and what technology helps your team achieve that speedy service. Service speed, you said? Or service speed. Service speed. So, yeah. Service speed. yeah, so we, we work off a 15-minute model. So we get orders in three different places. So we get them from the third-party delivery platforms, we get them from our online platform, and we get them from the kiosk ordering in the store. We don't have cash registers anymore. We don't have any people working cashier. So it's a little tricky. For the third-party delivery, you can only turn them on or off. 
So they could come in and just hit you and slam you in a certain way, especially big on like Mother's Day, Father's Day. We just turn them off on those days. With Rebel, you have speeds and how many orders per minute that you're going to take. And it takes a little bit to kind of zero that in. But we work that, we base everything off of that basically, which we have it set up to 15 minutes before the order is due, it pops up on our KDS in the kitchen. So we're trying to put stuff out every 15 minutes so that we have it ready at that point. And we treat the kiosk the same, which is a little drag because someone comes in the store and puts one on the kiosk, they're in that same 15 minute flow, uh, but also deliveries too on a 15 minute flow. So that's what we judge ourselves off is 15 minutes. So um, switching gears here a little bit, uh, I also wanted to talk about the interesting history that Rise has with franchising in particular. So I did some reading and uh, know that you kind of paused and regrouped in 2017 and really focused on simplifying operations before jumping back into growth mode. Will you share a little bit more about the significance of simplicity and why folks would potentially want to become a franchiser today? Yeah, I I came from a classical chef background and I cooked in high-end restaurants, worked for four James Beard winners uh, throughout the years. And so when I started Rise, this is like a chefy, you know, utopia. We were braising everything from scratch. Well, we opened with braised rabbit on our menu. So we did kind of crazy stuff. We did foie gras icing on donuts. We were making all our donuts from scratch at that point. We had probably had 12 different icings and different glazes and fillings. It was, you know, a chef's dream. But in that position, you only had to show like two people how to do something and make sure they were doing it right. And I had this belief that I could scale that, which is crazy because it didn't scale. So when we started doing it, we sold a lot of restaurants to begin with. We opened some, some closed. It just wasn't, it didn't have the consistency across the brand, which was driving me crazy, nor did we have the ROI, the return on the investment for the brand. So I had a realization that I had to go in there and really deconstruct what we had done while keeping the franchisees engaged and involved and believing where we were going. So we got changed the equipment needs, uh, the cooking techniques, um, really a host slew of stuff that we did from 2017 through 2018. And 2019 is where we started really refining on our, how we were going to get the food to the people through delivery and knowing that that was kind of where our model was moving. But that evolution, um, we stopped selling. We knew we had to fix it, so we stopped selling for a while. So we don't need to sell it, so we get it fixed. And really, that that finish line that we crossed was that we really finished and said, "Hey, we're really we're a powerhouse right now." Was the beginning of this last of this year that we're in right now? Finally, got to where hey, these numbers look really great. Uh, it's really consistent across all the stores. You know, people know what to expect when they get it rise. We had lowered. We've made donuts a smaller part of what we do now, and we really put all our energy into the biscuits part. So we rebranded from Rise Biscuits Donuts to Rise Southern Biscuits and Rice's Chicken. Yeah, I think it takes a lot of effort to take a step back and you know refine your offering, and it sounds like you guys found a lot of success doing that. So speaking of franchises and um, and your success there, I know there's a Rise restaurant in Savannah, Georgia, uh, but I'm curious to know as a Metro Atlanta resident, if there's any locations um, coming here anytime soon or just expansion plans in general? There's nothing slated there right now. Uh, right now, we're in the middle of talking with a whole bunch of people to move in. We just put out our last FDD about four weeks ago. So we have a lot of people looking right now, but we don't have them looking at Atlanta specifically right now. 
but I would expect that we'll be in Atlanta, you know, in a big way in the next two years. I can't imagine not doing that. And you'll certainly have patrons in the Atlanta area if and when the time is right. So, um, so Rise Southern Biscuits and Righteous Chicken made Fast Casual's 2021 list of top 100 movers and shakers. And so I wanted to first congratulate you on, on making the list. And then just in light of that, what's on the horizon next for Rise and how will you continue to move and shake? You know, my focus is on the culture and it's been a really big thing ever since the, well, it's been there since the beginning. I visit every store every year and I'll sit down with at least three employees for about 30 minutes and the manager kind of gets to know them a little bit, tell them my backstory, hear their story and what they're looking for. And we finished that road trip in April, I think. And, you know, as I do it each year, I get a better feel of what the employees, you know, what's going on with them. And, and doing this last one after a year of virus where they all were working in the stores with masks on, you know, I reflect back to when the virus happened and understanding how fast we were moving in technology. We were already moving fast in technology anyway, so never been scared of it. And... I understand that that relationship between the technology and the employees is a really big thing. Because if you ever worked anywhere where the technology is just a drag and you're having to fix it all the time and you feel handcuffed when it's not working and it just wears you down. So there's that component of the relationship between the employees and technology from the operational part of it and how they get along and do they like the technology? Is it working? Is it doing what it promises to do? And on the other part is, you know, the, uh, threat of it taking over your job. From the cashier point of job, it did take over the cashier's job. We use kiosks in our stores now. But those people moved into the back of the house and we had a, I didn't expect it in a way, but what it did is brought the team closer together in the back because they were able to focus on less things. They didn't have to worry about mis mis putting in what an order was, putting it in wrong because that was on the customer to check. Uh, those things really helped, really helped the overall attitude in the kitchen and the culture as a whole. So we worked really hard because, you know, any, any new technology that you put in is going to be glitchy for a while. And it happens that way with Rebel too. It's just not giving up on it, sticking with it, really trying to refine it and let you guys know what's wrong and what we need. That it works really smoothly right now. And so the, it's made their job easier. And so anyways, that part with technology, I think we have a good grip on, uh, we're doing that part. So the next part is like, well, is a cultural thing from what are people looking for right now? You know, I'm sure you guys went through it through the rest of, you had to give yourself a little time to ask yourself those questions. What do you want? You know, how much do you want to work? Um, when do you want to work? Uh, who do you want to work for? How do you want to be treated? Uh, what's your life work balance? And those things we're really diving into more. You know, all our employees make over $15 an hour uh, and managers are making 75,000 in our stores. Now we just added giving them vacation days throughout the year. And we talk to them a lot in different, in different ways. Like if you're someone who just wants to, number one, if you're someone who doesn't like it, we try to say, hey, go do something else, be happy. If you're just doing one job like the biscuit maker and you have no aspirations to do any other job you just want to do that you'll be somewhat cross-trained but we'll let you do that job and so just realize the ceiling's pretty low you can't move up too far if you want to move up into manager position all our managers started as employees through our company and have moved up to be managers and then we have one that's working on being a franchisee 
so you can move up through a company. But we also care on something that our people probably don't as much. It's like, what do you want to do out there? If this is just a stepping stone for you, where are you going? Um, and then try to encourage them to go after those things. We just have three people uh, getting ready to go to college. You know, they just finished the work for us in the summer while they went through high school. And we're excited about that for all of them. So we do care about what people are wanting to do and where they're wanting to go and how RISE can be a part of that. Yeah, I, I love hearing about how important, you know, maintaining that culture is for you guys. And it sounds like you're so transparent with your staff, which I'm sure is so, so much appreciated and is refreshing in the industry. Um, I also love what you said a few moments back that you've never been scared of technology. I think that's probably unlocked what it sounds like a, a lot of doors for you and your team and, and a lot of the success you've had. So, um, you know, before we close things out, Tom, I, I always like to ask, is there anything we haven't asked you today um, on the call that you, you'd like to share with our listeners? Oh, well, we didn't really talk about the uh, food lockers and how they work for us, too, along with yeah. the, you know, I think that's probably um, a good subject. So when we were, when you're looking at, we manage things in a, a lean philosophy, meaning, you know, orders flow in a certain speed, they get put together at a certain speed, they get handed out at a speed. So they all need to line up, orders in, orders being produced, orders being handed out. And one of the things that kind of bottlenecked us with all the new stuff that came in was used to be a customer went to the cashier, put in their order. We had two cashiers, took about a minute and a half to put in order. So an order came in every 45 seconds. We produced that at the same speed and called their name and handed it out to them. Well, now giving the orders out, our delivery drivers will work. They're there early or they're there late and we have to give them the orders. Usually they're putting a phone in your face or they were before we put in the, the screens. Then you have the online people who are usually you know there Maybe they're waiting a little bit or it's ready for them when they get there and you have to dig those orders out. And then you have the people who place the order at the kiosk and you're just handing it straight to them. Well, so that's made this backlog of all these orders sitting back behind us ready to be handed out. So we started looking into food lockers and we have a heated food locker from Hatco. So it has 12 spots. So when the order is ready, we punch in their name, we put it in there. Um, the order is ready, it goes on the screen so they can see that the order is ready. When they come in, they see it's ready, they go to the food locker, they see their name, they punch their name, they press one to confirm. That locker that's heated blinks and unlocks, they grab their food out and go. It's made it so efficient for us to get the orders out, the output, which was starting to really backlog with all these new ways that people will order. So I think it was kind of like the final little piece in our operations that made things start to run really, really smooth. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's so many different touch points. And I guess in some ways, things like the pandemic gave folks an opportunity to really take a look at what's in place and figure out some areas to tweak. Um, and it sounds like the food lockers are a perfect example. Um, so that comes to the end of our prepared questions. I just want to say, Tom, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your time with us today and really wish you a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks a lot. Tom is such an interesting guy. I, I loved hearing his story today. He's a military veteran, a classically trained chef turned business entrepreneur and, and biscuit expert. Um, and there's just so many great themes to explore in this one. They, not only is, is Rise innovative and, and has the courage to test new things, I think that's really apparent by so many of the examples Tom shared, but they're also not afraid to, to lean on technology. And I think that's ultimately what helped them come out unscathed by the pandemic and, and really learn from each experience that they had. 
Yeah, I think pivot is one of the central themes to folks who have made it out successfully from a business standpoint from all of this. And it's really an important lesson that spans across times when there isn't a pandemic, uh, you know, in the news. So I think they are just such a great example of that. I, I completely agree, you know, not only leveraging new technology and playing with things like, you know, the food heat lockers and kiosk only stores, which is a very bold move. Uh, but even that decision to kind of rethink their framework and simplify all of their operations. I know, especially hearing him talk about some of the menu items and his chef background, it had to be really tough to streamline things and simplify them. But I think that was very, very crucial to the rise ability to scale. Yep. They, they rose above the competition, if you will. And <laughs> I, I also love Tom's focus on culture. You know, he makes he said a, a trip to every store each year and really makes an effort to do so and, and talk directly to the staff and be really transparent with them. And, you know, he wants to build careers. And that's a theme that we've seen uh, with a lot of the leaders of Re and Rebel clients that have joined our podcast as of late. Uh, and I think it's a great one. Yeah, definitely. In fact, um, for anyone who missed the last episode that we had with Jeremiah's Italian Ice and Nicole DiPietro, Culture was a central focus there as well. And I think that as we explore these, you know, challenges with staffing uh, in the aftermath of the pandemic and really look to make places like restaurants and first jobs, these great places to work and building blocks to something more, that's going to stay incredibly important for operators to focus on. So awesome to hear it reiterated and lived at Rise Biscuits as well. So um, with that, I think we'll close this one out and just want to offer a huge and heartfelt thank you to our listeners for joining us today and an invitation to come back bi-weekly for more great content from our guests. So definitely make sure you never miss an episode by liking and subscribing to Restaurant and Retail Revelations, which you can do on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.